invite you to speak to us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I thought I would uh, kind of take a little less formal posture today. Um, I really feel like today's message is kind of a, uh, like a fireside family chat. And, uh, and so I wanted to kind of do that this morning. Um, uh, Romans 1, we're going to spend some time in Romans today, in the book of Romans. And Romans 1, verses 8 to 10, says, uh, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness. How I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the time may be open for me to come to you. And so Paul was writing these words to the, to the church in Rome. And he hadn't ever met them, but, um, but uh, or many of them. I mean, some of them he had served with in other capacities, and they'd, they'd gone on to Rome. But many of them he hadn't met, but he carried them in his heart daily as he, as he prayed. And, uh, and I just want you, Evangel, to know that, that I am truly thankful for each one of you. Uh, I, I, hold, I do hold you in my heart. Um, it's, it's like a, a, a parent that can never really, you know, they never can really forget their children, right? They, they, they never really kind of fall out of their head. They, they, they're always consciously aware of their kids and carrying them in prayer and carrying them in their hearts. And uh, I'm not saying that you're my children, but I, I'm just saying there's this, there's, this, there's this shepherdly, fatherly thing in my heart for, for each one of you. And, uh, and some of you, I've, I have the, the opportunity and the chance to cross paths with more frequently than others, but there's not a person who is part of the Evangel Church family that I don't carry in my heart and think of often and sometimes carry burdens for. And sometimes, um, you know, just how, how can I help this person or how can I pray more effectively for this person? And I could go through the list, the church list roster that we have and and, uh, and share things if we had time this morning about every person, every, every person at Evangel that I think are so precious about, about you as a person and who you are, what you bring to the family. Um, the church is, really is, is the family, it's the family of God. And it's, it's meant to be a place where we all belong. Thanks to what Jesus did for us. Thanks to what, what He accomplished on the cross. You belong. We all belong in this family. And, uh, and it's a place, the church is a, is a place where we ought to experience God's love through one another. The most, the most important descriptor of the family of God is that we love one another right? Um, this was the statement that Jesus made the night before he went to the cross. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as 
I have loved you, so you must love one another. In other words, in the same way that I loved you, laying down my life for you, being willing to suffer harm in order that you might be blessed. Um, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, And so this means that, that Christians shouldn't be primarily identified by sour faces or judgment of others or by the things that we're against, but by kindness, by mercy, by our willingness to lay down our lives for one another. We also see this in the other New Testament writings. Um, You know, John, in his three letters that he wrote, talks almost of nothing else but how if we love God, we must love one another. Our love for God will be shown by how we love one another. And Paul also comes back to the theme again and again. And uh, so we're going to spend some time today in Romans chapter 14. So if you have Bibles or Bible apps, you're going to want to open them. Or I've, I don't often do this. I don't often put all of the scriptures that we're going to go through up on the screen. There's actually a reason for that because I want you engaged with the book, right? I, I, I want you to engage with the Bible. But um, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. So if you want to just watch on the screen as well, uh, they'll be up there. Just because it's so important that we understand, that we, that we walk through the wording. We're going to walk pretty much verse by verse through this passage this morning. And it's, it's time for us... Um, to have a family chat about how we, how we treat each other, how we behave towards each other uh, when we disagree, right? Um, COVID-19 has dominated our lives in many ways now for more than a year and a half, right? And I think I'm probably speaking for all of us when I say, we hate COVID. I, I don't know if there's anybody that would disagree with me on that, right? Um, if, if there is, I, I don't know. Need help. But, um, but I think we can all agree on. And, uh, and you know, it has it's disrupted our families, disrupted our, our ability to spend time with our friends. It's disrupted vacations and holidays. Uh, this weekend, some of your Thanksgiving plans are messed up by the, the circuit breaker thing and all that stuff. It's meant dire illness for some. It's meant that some, uh, some people haven't been able to, to, to go to the hospital to see their loved ones when they've been ill. Um, it's meant that many, many, many challenging conversations as sometimes we found ourselves on opposite sides of COVID-related issues, like mandatory health orders and wearing masks and the COVID vaccine. And for some, it's brought even division in our families. It's brought, you know, uh, tension and difficulty into friendships. 
uh, it's just been a really challenging thing. And, uh, and I want to go on record right now as saying no matter how big a deal COVID is, it is not and will never be a big enough deal that followers of Christ should be divided over it. Right? And I mean ever, ever. I know that many of us have strong opinions and no matter what side of things we might fall on, it is wrong and even sinful to let those opinions become more important than the unity that we share in Christ. Um, I want you to know that this today is not a reactionary message. I'm, I'm not talking about this today because somebody's done something bad. Um, but because as your pastor, whom God has entrusted to shepherd this church, I feel it's urgent and timely to point our attention once again where it belongs and to urge us all to avoid the distractions of this world's controversies. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and His mission and to walk in unity together no matter what our perspective is on lesser things. So let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Accept accept those whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Accept the one whose faith is weak. And you might wonder, well, is that me or the other person? Well, it doesn't matter, right? Um, The point is, accept the one, the other person, who you might perceive their faith as weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. So Paul tells us here we should not be quarreling about disputable matters. Now you might say, you know, my opinion isn't disputable. I'm right. Right? There's no dispute. I'm right and uh, everyone else just needs to listen to me. Um, But the person who disagrees with you would probably say the same thing. That's called a dispute. So it's disputable. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? Um, and, uh, and so because it, all of these COVID things are matters that are not, not core to our Christian faith, um, nor are they a matter on which the Bible would speak clearly, then we need to be very careful Uh, about being dogmatic or forceful about our opinions on those kinds of things. Paul is trying to help the believers in Rome uh, who navigate some things that they have disagreements on, right? They've got some things that they're working through. And they've got people on one end of the spectrum, one pole, strong, strong opinions. And somebody else on the other end of the spectrum, strong, strong opinions, and Paul is saying, um, you know, how do we, how do we navigate this? Um, and, uh, you know, the, whatever the disagreements were in his day, this letter that he's writing, he's not writing about those issues. He's using issues as examples 
of how we love one another when we disagree. Right? Um, and so the first example he uses is being a vegetarian or a meat eater. Right? So he says, verse 2, One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them, both of them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So even today, I know that, that people can be very emotionally charged about the issue of being vegetarian or vegan or being a meat eater. Um, and in Paul's day, they also attributed spiritual significance to their choices, right? We might say, oh, this isn't anything close to what we're dealing with today because it's not a big deal. Well, it was a big deal to them, right? And, uh, uh, and so, you know, the, there were those who said, you know, I'm closer to God or more spiritual because I abstain from eating meat. So that must mean those people over there who are eating meat are ungodly and, spirit, and unspiritual, right? Or on the other side, I have a strong faith that allows me to eat whatever I want. So that person must not have faith, right? And again, Paul is, he's not talking about eating meat or not eating meat. Um, he's using this example to talk about how we treat each other. So, so let's use another example. I don't know, something random, like getting the COVID vaccine, right? Very random. Just, just pick something out there, right? Um, and let's see, if Paul were here today and he were using that example, how would this passage read? Is that fair? Right? The one who gets, the, I think starting in verse 2-ish. Um, the one who gets the vaccine must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not get the vaccine must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Right? It's time for judgment and contempt to stop. So when people who don't like the vaccine call people who have gotten the vaccine sheep, they're treating them with contempt. When people who have gotten the vaccine question the intelligence of people who don't get the vaccine, they are judging them and treating them with contempt. Right? Those things that we throw around because we have a strong opinion but we are treating other people with contempt. Both camps use language of things like, well, people just need to wake up. They need to open their eyes, do their research, follow the science. 
but different science studies are quoted. And we end up no further ahead because we just use the science to strengthen our opinion, right? And most people that I have talked to who have wrestled through this issue have done a lot of reading. They have done some research. They have prayed about it. They've sought God on it. They've tried to make the best decision that they know to make in the situation, and they've acted according to their conscience. So Paul then injects another example in verse 5. Besides eating meat, he talks about something else people were disputing about, about worshiping God on one certain day or treating all days the same, right? And he says, one person considers one day more sacred than any other, and another person considers every day alike. Again, you've got these two, two polar opposites of opinion. And he says, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies to ourselves alone. So let's, let's read that again with our other example, our random example. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever gets the vaccine does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. So this is interesting, right? Paul is saying that when we feel deeply and passionately about a position on a disputable subject, for the vaccinated person to be fully vaccinated, they have done the right thing. And for the non-vaccinated person to be fully convinced, they have done the right thing, and there doesn't need to be a right and wrong. Interesting. The person who has searched out the issues, wrestled with it in prayer, and made the decision that the right thing for them to do is to get the vaccine and that to do so is obedience to God, they're right. Because they're walking in obedience according to their conscience. And the person who has searched out the issues, wrestled with it in prayer, and made the decision that for them the right thing is to not get the vaccine and to do so is obedience to God, is right. How is this possible, you might ask, right? Those of us who tend to see the world in black and white, right? Some of us just have this tendency in, in our perspective of the world to just see everything as black and white, right and wrong, um, and, and may say that if something is right for me, it must be right for everyone. And if something is wrong for me, it must be wrong for everyone. But I think Paul is saying here that we actually live in a multicolor world. 
and where Scripture is clear, you know, yes, there are things that are black and white. Absolutely. And where Scripture is clear, we need to be absolutely clear. Right? Adultery is wrong and sin. We need to be clear on that. Murder is wrong and sin. We need to be clear on that. And there are things, there are many things that Scripture speaks very clearly to. And we need to be, we need to be clear where Scripture is clear. But where Scripture leaves room for interpretation, where Scripture leaves room for less, you know, less clarity, more, more you know, following your conscience as we, as we are obedient to the Lord, then we need to leave some room as well. You know what? The Bible doesn't say anything about Brussels sprouts. I've looked. It's not in there. But I know that Brussels sprouts are evil. They're demonic. They're horrific. Right? But I know that there's probably people listening to this that would disagree with me on that. And I suppose I have to say that's okay. Right? You do you. I'll do me. Right? Um, and so, so where the Bible is clear, we need to be clear. Where it's not clear. Where there are things that are not core Bible doctrinal issues, we need to leave some room. Right? I mean, if we're talking about the divinity of Jesus, then we better all be on the same page. Because as, as followers of Jesus, the Bible tells us Jesus was the Son of God. He is God. He is Yahweh in the flesh. Right? We need to be on the same page with that. And, and um, but, you know, so, here's a, here's a little image that might help us this morning. I, I found this really, really interesting. So we've got one truth seen from two different perspectives. One perspective says this is a square and it needs to fit in a square hole. And it does. It does fit in there. And we've got another perspective that says this is a circle and it needs, needs to fit in a circular hole. And it does. Both of them are right because they're both describing different aspects of the one reality. Isn't that interesting? And many of the things that we see very strongly from our perspective and our opinion um, can be seen from other perspectives and opinions as well. Right? And we need to, we need to respect that and we need to leave room for that. All right, verse 10 of our passage says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves of ourselves, to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another 
Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. We do not need to manage our brothers and sisters on disputable matters. They have to work these things out between them and God. They will give an account. Notice it says, each of us will give an account of ourselves. You will never have to give an account for the choices your brother or sister make. You never will. So you don't need to manage their choices because you're never going to give an account for their choices. But you will give an account for your choices. And so if in trying to manage your brother or sister's choices, you are harmful towards them, you will give an account for that. Right? So we want to be very careful how we treat each other when we disagree because it really doesn't matter in the end whether they disagree with you even if they're wrong because they will answer for that before God. But we will, they will answer for how I treat you. Absolutely. Um, Verse 15. Keep moving. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat or because of your, you know, your um, kind of flouting, flaunting your, your opinion on vaccines or whatever the issue of the day is. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating, do not by your choices on lesser things, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves, uh, serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace, and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food or vaccines. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. If we value our opinion more highly then we value someone for whom Christ died. Then no matter what our opinion is, it is wrong. Because we've put our opinion in a place of too much importance. And Paul says here, do not let what you, what you know is good be spoken of as evil. Now let me just clarify something here. Because when I read that, when I first read that, that, ver- that sentence, 
it sounded like Paul was saying, you know, fight for what you know is right. It's kind of what it sounds like. Don't let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. So, you know, fight for what you know is right. But in the context of everything else that Paul says here, that doesn't make sense. It's completely the opposite of everything else that he says here. So here's what Paul is saying. I, I strongly believe this is what he's saying. That by treating each other's by treating others poorly because of our opinion, you actually bring discredit to yourself and your opinion so that in arguing with someone over your opinion, you accomplish the opposite of what you're trying to do. You cause what you know is good to be spoken of as evil because of the way that you have behaved. Right? And so Paul says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. A matter of vaxing and not vaxing. The kingdom of God is not about those things. We need to, you know, not elevate those lesser things to a place of kingdom importance. It's wrong. It's, it's idolatry. It's wrong. To elevate lesser things to places of kingdom. But the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let me ask us, let me ask me, let me ask you, in, in navigating our opinions on, on COVID issues, how is your righteousness? Are you behaving righteously, rightly towards others, towards God and others? How is our righteousness? How is our peace? Do we lose our peace every time the subject comes up? Right? Do we, do we, do we, you know, get angry and rageful and frustrated and all that stuff, right? Do we lose our joy? Right? And so, so if, if for the sake of a lesser thing, we're willing to trade away our righteousness and our peace and our joy. Something is wrong. And that's what Paul is saying here. How dare we trade away the kingdom of God in our hearts for the sake of something that in eternal perspective really does not matter. So folks, every person in this church family, the ones you agree with, the ones you don't agree with, the ones in the middle who are still trying to figure it out, 
Every person in this church family is a gift to you. That today, of all days, we ought to count as precious and something that we are thankful for. And not just thankful in spite of our differences. I would suggest to you, thankful for our differences. It is our diversity, it is our different perspectives that bring richness, that bring uh, clarity, right? If everybody thinks like me, we're going to get we're going to be in an echo chamber of our own voices and we're going to, we're going to really make terrible decisions. We're going to do some really terrible things. If, if we're all just agreeing and not hearing other perspectives and other voices. And I would say where the Bible is clear, where the Bible is you know, on, on the core issues of our faith, yes, we need to be ready to defend those things. Absolutely. But on things where there is room for a variety of perspectives and opinions, we ought to see each other as a gift and value our differentness. And if we take, um, you know, we can... We can learn from each other. And I know, I know some of us think we've got it all figured out. We don't need to learn from each other. But, but I, think, I, think, I think we do. And we can learn so much from one another if we just listen more than we talk. And if we take a posture of learning instead of telling... We will actually grow and learn together. And if we love one another and are respectful towards one another and look for the good and the glory of God in each other's lives instead of looking for things to criticize and attack, then we will actually, we will actually walk in a unity that nothing will be able to touch. So I just want to encourage us today to, uh, to, to put Jesus in the center, to put His kingdom in the center, to put loving one another and the mission that we're called to in the center and let all those other things become secondary third airy, fourth airy, hundredth airy, right? Let's stand. Thank you for joining with me in this family chat today. We're going to prepare our hearts in a moment to, um, to celebrate communion together. And those, uh, those that are serving are going to get ready to do that. But I want to pray with us and for us. You know, um, there, are, there are churches in our district 
that are coming apart at the seams because of this stuff. And it breaks my heart. There are pastors that um, from both ends of the spectrum that are sending letters to, to the district and, you know, we, we ought to be going this way and we ought to be going this way. And it's sad to me that, that, that churches are allowing things to become distractions and divisions and to take us off course of the things that Jesus has called us to do. And as your pastor, um, I just, I just, going to be a bit of a pit bull on this. I'm going to be tenacious on this. I will not let us be pulled off of mission for lesser things. Because there's the, the world needs a strong, clear testimony of Jesus. And when the church divides over lesser things, then our testimony is damaged. And it's not okay. So Father, I thank You for every single person in our family. I thank You for their lives. I thank You for their perspectives. I thank You that they're passionate. I love when Paul says, each one should be fully convinced in their own mind. I love I love when people are passionate because at least they care about something. <laughs> at least they're alive. And I love that. Amen. But God, I pray that we would all be ready and willing to bring our opinions on secondary things into obedience to Christ in how we love one another. And that we would walk together in unity and kindness and love what we celebrate together in communion is that Jesus has made us one by His body broken for us and His blood shed for us. And to do anything less than walk in unity, we are doing a dishonor and a discredit to the sacrifice of Jesus. And so God, today, we repent of anything that we have done in the way that we have treated one another to bring disunity or discredit. We ask, us, ask Father, that you would give us the grace and the strength to love one another in the midst of our differentness and to walk together in true unity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.